Welcome to the MarTech Alliance Marketing Technology Book Club. I'm the founder of the MarTech Alliance and your host today, Carlos Doughty. Today I'm joined by Sam Conniff, founder, author, and professional rule breaker. Today we're chatting about his fantastic book, Be More Pirate. Hey Sam, welcome. Hello Carlos, thank you very, very much for, for having me. I really enjoy being introduced as a professional rule breaker. That's great. I just have to go and update my profiles now. <laughs> So can we jump straight in? Can you talk to us about the book? What, what, what really inspired this? What's the origins of where this came from? The origins of this book are in the agency that I founded back in 2001 called Liberty. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. My background had been in nightclubs and promotions and record labels. Uh, out of my bedroom, I'd formed an agency called Don't Panic, um, which is still going strong these days. But in, in my days, it was just a, I don't know, a bit of a nightmare of uh, on-the-street club promotion. Um, but it taught me an awful lot, talking about brands uh, and the idea of liberty kind of formed around me, how to market and be used as a force for social good. And the kind of engine room of it was this very simple idea, a big warehouse in the middle of Brixton, and we invited you know, less privileged, opportunity-poor kids into the space, and we'd get them working on our campaigns. And this kind of meeting of naivety and wisdom. So best-in-class marketeers very quickly wanted to come and join an agency that was really making a difference. Clients were very interested in the level of insight and depth that we really knew. We didn't rely on trend reports. We had real kids from across the country very quickly in this incredibly creative, noisy, chaotic space. And very quickly, like marketing often talks about doing things differently and then fails to do anything differently, something really different emerged. And I spent nearly 15 years as the chief exec uh, there, joint chief exec with my co-founder. And those kids, the level of creativity, the level of entrepreneurialism, the level of innovation that takes place in the edges, you know, the outlying aspects of, of, of society taught me fundamentally everything. And because it was time for me to really get on moving on. I'm now part of networks of young entrepreneurs the world over. And as I looked up and I saw, I think, a lack of leadership in brands, I'd say, go so far as to say a vacuum of imagination at the heads of many brands and public institutions uh, and, and felt pretty dismayed about the way the world was, was was working and going in 2016 all i had to do was to look horizontally to my networks of smart young marketers pioneers entrepreneurs and innovators and i feel very very optimistic so the book is a kind of love letter to them a, a rallying cry to accelerate the the transition of power um and i called it being a pirate and, and took them to the true story of pirates because i think i feel like they're lacking the role models in this day and age, they're too sanitized, filtered, and, and actually not really talking about major change, and took them back to history to a generation who really fucking rewrote the rules. Yeah. Nice. And um, you, you talked about some modern pirates, actually. And interestingly, obviously, um, just last week, we had Elon Musk releasing his latest Cybertruck. Um, can you talk us through some examples, I suppose, of, of the modern pirates? I can, yes. So I, I drew up a bit of a framework studying the original guys, because no one knows that uh, alongside all the rum and stolen gold, the, the original pirates were some of the first people to have workplace compensation, social insurance, facilitative systems, halacracies, you know, these really agile, nimble networks, sophisticated organizations. You know, that, that bit got lost to history and all we got was Jack Sparrow. So when you when you pull back to that, you realize that these guys fundamentally they weren't just like rejecting society, they were rewriting new rules of society and we're lucky to have inherited some of those and, and they, they should be seen on the spectrum of working class heroes and, and, and social innovators. So once I'd really diagnosed that and, and pulled out some of the key attributes of their strategic successes, I came back to my point of inspiration, the, the kind of the modern end of that, and tried to see if I could find uh, an alignment. And, you know, just casting about who did I think was an interesting current contemporary rule breaker, 
And the first who fit the bill was Malala Yusuf Erzi, who I wouldn't have expected to, to diagnose as a pirate. And, you know, she may, she may, may or may not enjoy that uh, um, metaphor. Uh, and then Chance the Rapper and then Greta Thunberg. And, and very quickly, these guys applying the same principles that I was finding, like this, this ability to stand up to the status quo, um, building critical connections, not critical mash, you know, writing your own sets of permission, you know, a, a bravery in branding and marketing that is rarely seen today. And, and yeah, so I created a contemporary list of pirates who I thought were following similar principles so that it became an easier metaphor for people to get their heads around. Elon Musk specifically is an interesting one. Now, I do reference him because I think one of the things that the pirates did really well was they were a very multi-generational community. So you had these kind of figureheads like Henry Morgan and um, Henry Avery who were like the kind of godfathers of this shit, right? They'd, they'd really seen the change of the turn of the century and where status quo, where, where power had got really stuck. Uh, but they brought through the new generation of Blackbeards, the Sam Bellamy's, and the kind of the real radical change makers. So I think it was more like the kind of the Jobs and the Zuckerbergs and the kind of unicorn drivers of, of now. Um, and so I put Musk in the kind of more like the old guard opening doors for the new guard. I mean, and Musk is such an interesting character. I mean, I personally find him fascinating and, and, and follow him. Uh, there's no doubt that he's also a total douchebag uh, <laughs> at, 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 at times. So I think he, he well needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. But like, you know, uh, his, plan, his preposterous plans, at least they are the kind of big thinking that we see so rarely out there. And when we've got some great big challenges knocking at the door, uh, I think it's good to demonstrate that most of our leaders' thinking is tiny and in comparison. So at least he does truly represent big thinking. Nice. Now, in your book, you described pretty much the only reason for creating a framework for thinking pirates is so you could go the five R's. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk us through those? Yes, yes, it's true. I'm guilty of the worst dad joke going. <laughs> um, you know, well, it's because I've, I've read loads and loads of business books. And so as I, you know, I try to overcome my imposter syndrome. You know, I'm dyslexic. I didn't go to university. I've never written a book before. And you know, these are chips on my shoulder that I find it hard to brush off. So, um, you know, I just assume that all business books have got an illustrated five-stage framework in the middle of it, you know, and I have to draw a few triangles. You know, I've read books. You need a triangle. If you haven't got a triangle... <laughs> No one's going yeah. to take you seriously, right? Exactly. I've got two triangles in my book. Um, we, yeah, we've got I mean, a circle in ours. Like, we're, we're, wait, we're serious. We've evolved. Yeah. There you go. It spins as well. So. <laughs> yeah, now circles, circles do. That's, enough, that's next level. That's Simon Sinek. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I went so far as re- redrawing Maslow. I got really carried away. I was going to ask um, you about that. Yeah, like, we, we should jump into that afterwards, the, the OS update of... of yeah, of okay. So uh, it, was, it was these principles. I was, it was really... I've read a lot of marketing and business books, and I think that as many people will agree and possibly listen to this podcast, how many of them should have just been a blog post or, or maybe a dissertation? And with respect, you know, I think that you know, there's, there's, there's masters of that, like kind of Seth Godin's of the world. You know, here's a really good, clear idea, and I'm going to drum it into you until you get it. But I knew that I didn't want to write that book. I was trying to get something that, that, that both connected to the peripheries, the, 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 the hem of the problems that are right at the core of all of this the engine model of capitalism we all as marketeers know that we we get the briefs right but the briefs are usually about the faster not the thing that's actually gone wrong and when we really look at what's gone wrong it's the the engine model of, of things so i wanted to find a way to get deep but i wanted to have a very accessible entry point you know pirates and the romance and, and everything comes with it but more than anything i didn't just want it to be inspiration that was a fun read that was interesting i learned something i wanted it to be action so i really really grilled the the the, the classic examples and these guys were fucking remarkable they were in their 20s they stood up against the empires of the world and they were unbeatable 
um, and and they created no short amount of you know true innovations that have lasted 300 years. I mean, they they really do deserve to be reconsidered as, as entrepreneurs and role models. And then once I found the modern examples, again, you know, you're talking about you know, fantastic change. People really creating new business models. When we talk about Charles Rapper, obviously he's a great rapper. Uh, he's the only musician to ever win a Grammy without a record deal. You know, there's a whole new business model that threatens the entire record industry. So that kind of shit that I was looking for, and to then make it tangible so that people could take it away, was where the, the stages came from. So the acts of rebellion, standing up and finding the rules that you're going to break. Now, this is really how you gather all of the pirates around you. Then the next act of rewriting the rules. This is, this is what makes the whole thing a creative, not a destructive act. And it's the most important part of it. The, the redistribution of power. I mean, every other rebellion you can think of through history ends up corrupted, you know, 10 years on. Yet for nearly more than 30 years, the pirates didn't get corrupted. It's because they redistributed their power so, so incredibly into in what is becoming a very, very contemporary conversation now in organizations. Um, and that reorganization is the fourth of them. You know, they, they didn't chase scale. And, and I think the turning point is going to be as we're moving towards it. But one of our biggest problems is we just let things get too big. They managed to create these nimble, agile networks that could scale through their connections, critical connections, not critical mass. And lastly, their, their ability to tell and retail tall tales. You know, they are the, the world's first super brand. So there's nothing like it, uh, nothing deliberately like it. Whatsoever, and there wasn't until Coca-Cola came along, and 150 years before it, the skull and crossbones was deliberately designed as a meme that went viral with a very core singular message: "It's all good marketers know every good brand has to have," and it was a message of surrender or die. So there's some there's some moral relativity going on in my history. Uh, but you know, I'm neither historian um, uh, <laughs> nor academic. So okay. Um, and yeah, once I'd gotten down, you know, and they alliterated nicely, I was both very pleased to have my five-stage framework, and I was very pleased that I could call it the five R's, <laughs> which I can't believe is still making me laugh, but you know, it is, so there we go. So, so one, one thing I found when I was sort of researching around you, which was really interesting, is that you really, do, you really are a pirate author. So I, I love to hear, well, in terms of your hacks for releasing the book, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can you talk us through fun. some of those? The, the Banners, the Branson, the Blinkist, the Waterstones. It was fascinating. I, I just, yeah, I think for anyone listening that doesn't know the background, it'd be fantastic for you to talk through the release of the book and, you know, what you did to really embrace pirate thinking. Well, you know, I, the last thing I wanted, I, I was aware of the cliche that I could become, right? A middle-aged, middle-class white dude leaves marketing agency, writes books, becomes public speaker, etc., etc. And I just didn't want to fall into those tropes. Um, and my inspiration, as I said at the beginning, comes from the, the, the young guys that I've met through Liberty and those networks that I'm very, very lucky to be part of. So I wanted to maintain that authenticity. And in writing the book, I workshops it loads. I work with lots of networks of young, smart entrepreneurs, as well as people within large organizations trying to think about how we create change. So I knew that the material was powerful. I knew that people were feeling it. And... And obviously, I'm a brand new author with no track record, so the, the, uh, a big firm like Penguin were taking a real risk on me, and there was no real marketing budget attributed to the, to the campaign. And as a marketeer, I'm used to small budgets, but not maybe no budgets. And I took a really big, deep gulp and decided to swallow my own medicine. And so I reread the part of the book, which is about brands and communication. I thought, right, so what is the scary, you know, and the recommendation of the book is one I learned from Liberty about going into the dragon's den, not not ever going for the low-hanging fruit, you know, classic marketing 101. Fuck that. Go the other way, right? What's the highest thing? What's the most difficult? What's the scariest place you can go and tell your message? 
Um, and the scariest thing I could do was to fuck with my own publisher. And they've got this amazing list of building on Vauxhall Bridge Road. It's like multiple lanes of arterial traffic going up and down from Victoria Bus Station to, 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 to the River Thames. And my, my beginnings were in nightclubs, promotion and raves. And I was staring at this gorgeous building, this huge windows, the size of buses. And I just thought I could fucking fly post to that. That would be amazing. And, and the thought just grew and grew and grew in my head. And I, I got, tried to get permission from the building's uh, manager who, you know, absolutely not health and safety, Westminster Council, all this stuff. And so I went and did it anyway. And I got the poster made up. And on the morning of launch, I got some high-vis vests and I, I forged a letter from the chief exec, which I signed myself. Uh, and on the morning of launch, went up and over the course of about 90 minutes, all it took, uh, fly posted the entire front of <laughs> Penguin in the hot, hot pink, which is the color of the book. Um, no one stopped me. No one, you know, I waved the clipboard at the security once or twice, and just ran the high, the you around. had the high vest, the high vis vest, right? That's it. It's all you, you need. Get, <laughs> all you need. I mean, I've heard that said. It's all you need. It's amazing. Well, let's let's be honest. All you need is uh, four white dudes wearing high vis vests. <laughs> I think you know. Had we been, had we looked different to the to the status quo, we may have been stopped a little while earlier. But you know, you gotta you gotta be aware of your privilege and then push it as far as you can accordingly with that privilege to try and open doors for others. And so here I was trying to put up a flag for other rebels and rogues and rule breakers to, to come and join join in something. And if I was gonna advocate that others should take risks and, and break rules, then by God I needed to be first up to do it. And then once I was off, you know, then we were off. So Linkistio is a brilliant, brilliant app that I would recommend to anyone. It dissects most business and management books into six-minute um, summaries. And I was really keen to get on there as a subscriber anyway. Uh, and it was an anathema to Penguin Marketing. They were like, wow, no, this is, you know, they, they, they cannibalize uh, your IP. They don't give any, any kickback to the, to the authors or the publishers. So we totally understand, you know, business models are in flux. But actually, I believe you should run towards that. Uh, you know, they were, the, they were the kind of new Spotify of publishing, and so that's something to be looked into. So I was absolutely adamantly told I couldn't go near them. So I left that meeting and rang them immediately. And um, <laughs> turns out I was the first author to contact them independently. We collaborated brilliantly. Uh, they allowed me to write my own cannibalization so I could choose what I did and didn't cannibalize. Actually, I wrote some exclusive material just for Blinkist. They let me put on a sales tracker on the end of it, so a discount code, so we could actually see whether we brought new audiences and whether Blinkist players subscribers then do go and buy books which they do in their in their significant numbers they gave me international coverage that i never would have got anywhere near and i attribute my, my international success and, and right sales to that exact moment and you know uh even though i had to apologize to penguin at the time i now know that blinkist are working with penguin and many many other publishers because they got the chance i, I was able to give them as a, a startup their chance to break and prove their model as well so that's the thing with this right Risks, if they're well considered, if you've balanced your, your gut, your instinct, and your best judgment, along with whatever the available data is, and in this case, you know, there was large numbers of subscribers and I knew that I was going to get a good footfall from a poster stunt. You know, it's that combination. If I just listen to the data and what you're told, you're not going to get anywhere. If you just take risks on your own, then, you know, it could come a cropper. But when you align the two, and this is, our, this is the best of marketing, you no know, worry for marketers having their creativity and their instincts overruled by an over-deference to data at the moment. But when you combine the two, then very powerful things can happen. And in that moment, when you have access to both, your, your risks really do need to match your privilege, your power, and your opportunity. And, and, and be much more, you know, we talk so much about fear and bravery, and it's so much bullshit. I think it's much, much better to really judge your level of fear by your level of, you know, 
I mean, your level of bravery by your level of fear. Like, does this actually scare you? And if it doesn't, then you're not anywhere near the, the, the privilege and the power that's afforded to you. And it's, it's too easy to say words like bravery and courage and marketing. So knowing that this really scared the pants off me, knowing that my risk would be losing my book deal, then I felt like I was, you know, then I was close to the level of privilege and power that I got. So then you can do something meaningful. And, and as I think is nearly always the case with that level of judgment behind you and using all your levers appropriately, obviously the rewards then spoke for themselves and, and, it, and it paid off in the book bestseller and I was able to uh, get into the kind of attention space that I think is so difficult for so many books to break through and and then the, the, the book did the job after that. And so, so talk us through a little bit more now also in terms of other projects you work on, the, the kind of the workshops you do, the the, um, the presenting you do at events as well in terms of helping people bring the, the um, be more pirate to life. So this uh, you know, really, really surprised me. I, I wrote Be More Pirate in the year that I was stepping back at Liberty and, and letting a new generation come and take over the agency. And I really wasn't sure what I was going to do with myself next. I had a big, big personal upheaval in my life, so I needed some, some kind of stability. But I'm also very much driven by my passion. And I knew that the, the book felt like it was going to deliver on that, that, that desire to create change. But what I wasn't ready for was the... Um, huge response just like people like thousands upon thousands of people getting directly in touch to say i have changed my life changed my relationship changed my job changed my career started something stopped something like profound small all manner of things and i just couldn't believe it like that that is core the the rebellion i was encouraging people to take was against their own self-imposed limitations and when people stepped into that space it seemed like no end to what they could do and and I was in denial about it for, for a few months. I was like on the tour, writing the book, and I could just put all these things into this box in my Gmail. And after I really thought, why aren't I getting back to you? Why aren't I reading these emails? Why am I scared of them? It's because I was really scared that people making real change in their life. Like the thing I've been pursuing all my life, let's create change. And, and I think as many of us do, Martin, we talk about change, knowing well that we're existing within parameters that won't ever allow change. Um, you know, all of us work for organizations that celebrate creativity, but actually really reward conformity. And, and, and as long as we don't call out that kind of duality, we'll all be all right. Um, we just complain about it when we go to the pub with our mates. And suddenly here it was, real change. And it was happening in real people's lives based on something that I fundamentally made up, right? Just made up. So what the, 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 the responsibility felt huge. But once I started looking into it, and once I started talking to them, I, I recruited a full-time community manager who I entitled my right-hand pirate. She helped me really get to the bottom of them. We began interviewing people, and what we began to see was a synthesis of uh, consistent patterns that people had interpreted the book. So, you know, the book is a good starting point, right? It's a good primer for, for doing something, but it's not as interesting as the bunch of motherfuckers who then actually went and did something about it, like people within the NHS who know that it desperately needs to be working, people in the NGO space who know that there's things fundamentally wrong and took risks they've never taken before, people within brands who know that we're just trotting out the same old shit who then went and really fought to do something different, people who left their, their, their cushy corporate jobs they knew they were on the gravy train and set out to start a new projects. You know, in this, I found a new, a new, a new pattern, something really interesting and for me really inspiring. And so, I've been sharing those stories and, and trying to pull that into a framework. And I know there's an irony to making a framework about rule breaking, but you know, fuck it. Um, and so, for the, uh, for the last six months, I've I've been testing an idea that I'm calling professional rule breaking because. It is something that's within our workplace. You know, for everyone who's got a growing frustration, the sense that work just isn't working. You know, we know we're working longer hours and we're less productive per hour than we ever have been. 
We know that we haven't always got on the right side of technology. We know that we're yeah, a long way away from kind of doing the best work of our lives. You know, the brand purpose is often oversold, misunderstood, and underdelivered. Yeah, it just feels like as an industry, we're on the cusp of so much excitement, so much opportunity to do really, really great work that isn't just shifting more units of nothingness and adding to the great landfill of humanity, which is going to create the biggest crisis of our lives. You know, what if we can turn this amazing industry towards the real challenge that we've, we've got with some ideas and solutions that are equal to the challenges we've got? We know we can. And it suddenly felt that I was speaking to a very shared frustration. So professional rule breaking is within these great levers and great businesses and great brands that we've got that we want to make better, you know, actually do the best work of our entire lives. We're not going to get there if we just follow the rules that have got us into this nest. So professional one sense, yes, this is about real work and rule breaking the other sense that ain't going to go nowhere if we just use the, the same tropes and techniques that have been handed down to us. And in that paradox, uh, I've, I've found something I'm really enjoying. I mean, I love uh, slash hate a paradox anyway. Um, but having turned it into a workshop, I've been, I'm just, it's extraordinary. What are we in now? It's November now. I'm booked until September next year. I've, I've been doing it for you know, brands that you might think, like uh, kind of Red Bull and, and Heineken, you know, the kind of bold brands out there, but also for Sony and for Mercedes and for Lego, the much more conservative brands, for dozens of the big agencies, multiple small agencies. I mean, it's huge, this feeling of fucking hell. We, we, we can't go to another innovation, transformation, disruption offsite, come back to office and actually do nothing. Like, this is, this is the moment. We have to do something. And I, I, I am making it up as I go, full disclaimer. Um, <laughs> but I'm leaving these sessions with uh, the, the real sense and spirit of action. Not, and what I won't allow is, you know, post-it notes and anyone being designated to go and write this up into a strategy paper. You know, we all know what happens then. Gets, all good ideas get sent to the eternal email thread of doom, but good ideas are sent to die. It's much more based on mutiny. So small groups of people identifying the truth, the real problem. If the real problem is the boss, then you know that's that's the case in 90% of the places. If the real problem is the way that the the, the the processes are working. If it's the high hierarchies and silos, let's just call it what it is. And then small groups of people, not needing permission, but much like I did, ready to seek forgiveness if required, but willing to just go and do it, be the change, and set the new precedent. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm struggling to keep up with it. And I'm trying to find my best ways to record it so I can evidence it and share it and grow it. Um, but in the early part of next year, I'm, I'm going to launch it as some kind of entity, uh, a kind of anti-consultancy, if you will, um, to to really test test the metal of this idea of professional rule breaking. It's born out of pirates, right? Not 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 the same old corporate stick we've heard again and again. And kind of run with it and give it away as I go. See whether we can start some real meetings. Fantastic. It sounds like you're making real, real movement with this. It's, um, yeah, it's great to see. It, it must be amazing for you to see it from, from book to, to really come into life like this. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. And it's really, what's wonderful is, is having made something. I spent all of my life within the agency space, you know, making change. Yeah, certainly giving platforms to young people to see them make change. But we're always, you know, the kind of intermediate trees. It's always a service relationship. And there's something beautiful about having made something. And so people can transact with me for £10 and buy an actual book, a book of ideas. And the second part is that, it's as ideas. My currency has moved into just ideas. And the freedom from having to have a you know, 20-person account handling team or a creative studio that you've got to you know, make sure the money is coming in. And, and, and not ever fully, real, even with Liberty, you know, an agency so based on its principles, not ever fully realizing the compromises that you have to make 
sometimes even about what you truly believe in. And I, I get to spend my entire day telling the truth, like which doesn't often happen in our industry. And it's, it's a question, of, you know, what would happen if we spent the entire time telling the truth? Uh, there's, there's such a level of work that our, our, our discipline could be achieving. You know, if we, if we really understood and examined the real brief, and the real brief sits behind like the narrative of Be More Pirate. You know, I tried to touch on what's, what's wrong with the engine model, and I think the engine model is, you know, we, we've got to move from a business model that's always been based on some kind of exploitation. We're in a world 60% over its biosphere capacity, and therefore anything directly related to consumerism and landfill is part of the problem, and 10 years hence is going to look more like a war crime than a, than a, than a, than a business objective. So that's the real brief to advertising. How do we not end up being part of the signature on humanity's own suicide? And that uses brilliance that we've got to move into a more sustainable and circular space. Like that's the role of influence that we've always had. It's not the role that we have currently, but that's the brief if we choose to respond to it. Fantastic. I think that's incredible advice, feedback, and thinking for everybody listening. I think especially the if we spent the day just being honest. Yeah, try it. <laughs> it's fucking exhausting but um it's really deeply liberating as well sam it's been an absolute pleasure i uh, i really do appreciate you having taken the time um really enjoyed talking with you today i really enjoyed talking to you as well i'm sorry if there was a bit of background noise but i'm glad that we could make it happen fantastic thanks sam thanks Sammy. cheers man